Hey, this is Jim Fleming, and this is the Stuart Heights Fleming Sunday School Class Podcast. Here, you will find recordings of our weekly Sunday School class, as well as a few other teaching opportunities I get at my church. Now, this podcast is not intended to replace your Bible study, to replace your weekly church attendance, or to be your sole source of spiritual instruction. Go to church for that. This podcast is for members of my class who happen to miss a week here or there and don't want to fall behind. But before you listen to this episode, you may want to go to teachings.gym314.com and download student or teacher handouts, as well as any PowerPoints, so you can follow along visually and see what we saw in class, as well as take some notes. Thanks for listening. Come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app. I'd recommend Overcast. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Good morning, everybody. All right. If you've got your Bibles, let's go ahead and open up to Romans chapter 12. We're going to start there and we'll work our way through uh, the end of Romans 14 today. Today we actually are scheduled to finish Romans chapter 14, so that means only two more chapters of Romans, which is kind of crazy. That's a lot of text. But, uh, excited about today. The uh, my my emotional state coming in to speak this morning. Uh, have you all watched Saturday Night Live? You may watch Saturday Night Live. You you've heard of Saturday Night Live, okay? Uh, you know who Lorne Michaels is? Who's Lorne Michaels? He started it, and he's the executive producer, and he kind of keeps everything on track. And he has a a statement that he uses with the talent that comes each week. He says, we don't have the show because we're ready. We have the show because it's 1130 on Saturday night. And today's text is one of those that I, I'm pretty sure I could study for a month and would just, well, there's more and there's more. And at some point, Sunday morning comes and here's where we are. So There's gobs and gobs and gobs more that could be said about this particular text, but um, we are where we are this morning. So so let's take a look at uh, our schedule, uh, where we've been. Uh, So we've looked at righteousness introduced and righteous wrath, saving righteousness, righteous freedom, righteousness to the Jews, and then now in this, excuse me, big long section about righteous living. So what is, what does all of this look like? fleshed out in the life of a believer. And what you'll see as we go through this section, uh, as we've seen so far, is that Paul circles back and he uses a lot of words that he used prior because he's connecting some of these earlier thoughts. And and we'll see that in today's text as well. So last week I talked about Romans 14, uh, 1 through really the first part of 15 is really a three-week section around weaker and stronger brothers. So today is the middle of that kind of mini section inside this larger righteous living section. So let's start with Romans uh, 12.1, and then we'll read through the end of 14, and uh, we'll get into the lesson today. So Romans 12, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you to not think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If serving, if service, in our serving. If one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in generosity. The one who leads, with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what's good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Owe no one anything, except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. <clears throat> Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord since he gives thanks to God. 
while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be both Lord of the dead and of the living. So why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. And I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus Christ that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whatever, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. <clears throat> All right, so if you've got your hand out there on your table, we'll go ahead and jump into uh, looking at that portion of today's lesson. So let's walk through this text. Um, you'll notice that you don't have the normal question, are there any literary or structural observations? This is two paragraphs of Paul, just bullet point, here we go, we're going to explain a lot more on this concept. Um, and so just a, a word of preface, today's text might be a bit confusing if you don't have a good understanding of what clean and unclean mean in the Old Testament. So clean and unclean in the Old Testament, the Old Testament law was given to the Israel, uh, Israelite nation, and uh, it was given to them for a wide variety of reasons, but some was for their protection. So there were rules about things they could eat, or things they could drink, or things they could touch, or places they could go, that when Jesus Christ came and fulfilled the law so that we as New Testament believers no longer have to live underneath the law, the people who were converted into Christianity out of Judaism during this period that Paul is writing in the early first century, they're still used to living under the law and saying that you can touch certain things, you can eat certain things, you can't touch certain things, you can't eat certain things. So we're transitioning out of that period, and Paul is making the argument to these new Jewish believers and to Gentile believers who are being swayed by the Jews that these things that were in the past for the keeping of the law, you're not under that anymore. All things are clean. However, there's a certain sense of, um, I just want to say not being a jerk, uh, to weaker brothers and sisters that we are obligated to make sure that we participate with because it, Christianity should not be about, oh my goodness, I walk around and I feel bad all the time because somebody's made me feel bad for what I'm doing or not doing. If it's not sin, that's not how we're supposed to be operating. So 
So if you don't have that understanding of the clean and the unclean in the Old Testament, then some of today's text might not make a lot of sense. So I just wanted to check that box and make sure we were all on the same page with clean and unclean. All right, so we've got... Um, let's take a look at what the words mean here today. All right, so then let us not pass judgment. And this is the word krino. We've seen this word uh, several dozen times. It showed up a lot in Romans 2 and 3, and then earlier in chapter 14. We'll see it again today a couple of times. Uh, so don't be passing judgment, making decrees on one another any longer, but rather decide. Here's, here's the word krino again. Judge on this, never to put a stumbling block. Uh, the first definition there for stumbling block is the word stub. And I don't know if you've ever been walking outside and you have tripped on something that was just sticking up out of the grid, just a little stub. Maybe you catch your foot in the woods. Um, my dad took me uh, squirrel hunting a lot when I was a little boy, uh, mostly because he didn't want to carry the squirrels that he shot. He needed somebody to carry the squirrels. So I would have the stick, and we'd uh, tie the squirrel's feet up and put them on the stick, and you know, I was like this little redneck child walking through the woods, and I've got these dead squirrels and the stick, and away we go. Well, I was... Uh, easily distracted by lots of things and wouldn't always look at the ground, which is where he was trying to get me to look, because when you step on things that make noise in the woods, the animals go somewhere else, and you don't get opportunities to get more animals. And what I would find is that when I was looking at the ground, when I was looking where I was going, I wouldn't trip. But when I was looking up in the trees, looking for squirrels, I was constantly falling down, and I would stub my toe on things that were there that were easy to stub your toe on. So when I read Stumbling Block, I always think about I'm in the woods hunting with my dad. So rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance. Now, this is different than the story that I just described because the story I just described was I'm on my own just wandering around. This is I am intentionally putting something in front of a brother that's going to trip them up. That's just mean, right? I mean, when was the last time as an adult that you actually tripped someone, like stuck your foot out and tripped someone. Justin, you look like you're thinking way too hard about this. And hopefully this is not recently, right? I mean, this is, we, <laughs> it is Justin, I know, right, right. But we, I mean, do you know a lot of adults that actually trip people? Like, they, literally, I mean, just literally, they actually go around and trip people. It's just not how adults behave. And I, I kind of get the feeling this is Paul's tone is, what, what are we doing here? We're not supposed to be going around just tripping people. This is not, not a good thing. So don't put a stumbling block or a hindrance. The word here is scandalon. This is a snare. So this is something that doesn't look dangerous, but something that you could fall into or something that could uh, capture you in the way of a brother. So verse 14, I know, um, I know that, and am persuaded. And this is the idea of I am uh, convinced. I am confident. This is the same word used in Romans 8.38 uh, about the confidence that we have uh, about what Jesus is doing there. In the Lord Jesus that nothing... Now, y'all know what this word means in the Greek? Nothing? Nothing. It means no thing. It means zero. Uh, it's the same word that's used in Romans 8.1. There's therefore now no condemnation. So however much condemnation you want to have, this is how much is, is uh, unclean. So you've got to go hand in hand. If you want to have things that are unclean, then you've got to have a little condemnation. Well, there's no condemnation, so there's nothing that's unclean. So this is, this is Paul laying this out. So I, am, I know and I'm persuaded that 
in Jesus, in the Lord Jesus. So why would he say that phrase, in the Lord Jesus? Let's make sure we got that real quick. Yeah, it's through faith, in Christ. So inside the body of Christ, for believers, there is nothing that is unclean in itself. But it is unclean for anyone who thinks. Now, I have to say goodbye here to an old friend. Because I have fallen in love with this word. This is my favorite word in all of Romans. This is legizomai. And this is the last time that it's used in Romans. So this is the, the accounting, the taking inventory, the, um, for anybody who has looked at the situation and said, I'm putting this in the column of unclean. Um, it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. Now that, this can be a bit confusing. So Paul just said, nothing's unclean. And then he comes and he says, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. So how do we, how do we reconcile those two? All right, so what's the context of this particular verse? This particular verse is in the context of talking about weaker and stronger brothers, right? And we talked about last week that, that weaker brothers have lots of rules and regulations around what we can do and can't do and eat and can't eat and drink and can't drink. And the stronger brothers would say, this is, this is open. We have freedom or liberty to exercise in these spaces. So Paul is talking here to both the stronger and the weaker brothers and saying it's unclean for anybody who thinks it's unclean. So your perspective on this actually matters how you handle it. So then verse 15, for if your brother is grieved, the Greek word is uh, lupeo. It, it makes me think he's loopy. Um, he's He's out of himself. He's sad. He's grieved. He's heavy. Um, you ever been around somebody that's so down that they almost act crazy? Um, that they're they're just there's a there's a heaviness that is irrational that from the grief and what's going on here. Uh, but this is somebody that is that is really stressed out. That is grieving because of what? What's the next part of the verse fifteen? Something somebody what? Ate. What? What? Why are we going to grieve brothers and sisters over what we're eating? Right? So if your brother is grieved over what you eat, you are no longer walking or deporting yourself in love, which is really, really clear. Right? So if, if I am causing my brother to grieve over what I eat, I'm not doing this in love. I have taken that... Uh, so I'm going to go back to Doug... Like I've taken the belt of love and I have laid it aside and I'm doing what I want to do, right? Because that belt constrains, but it also gives us freedom and liberty to do things. All right, so by what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. <clears throat> do not lose, I think is the sense here, the one for whom Christ died. Don't lose this relationship. Now, obviously, you are not going to kill someone for what you ate. That is not the sense of this word here, obviously. And obviously what you eat is not going to cause someone to no longer become a believer in Jesus Christ. You can't lose... Me eating a meal can't have someone have the result of someone else uh, losing their salvation. right? So I want to make sure we understand what I'm not saying here. That this is not what the text is saying. This is losing relationship with the one for whom Christ died. So then do not let what you regard as good or beneficial be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom, this rule of God, is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of what? Righteousness, 
and peace and joy. You see that word peace, the definition for peace? Peace and prosperity, one quietness, to be set at one again. Peace is the idea that there was something broken and we are mended and we are, we are whole again. So this idea that this, these broken relationships are made peaceful and joyful. There's a joy that comes from these types of relationships in the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit is the one that is enabling us to do these things. So verse 18, whoever thus serves, and this is duleo, this is the, um, the verb form of the Greek word for servant. Whoever serves Christ is acceptable. Which is really nice. And that's a broad, broad statement. Whoever serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So the, let us pursue. All right, so you blank filler outers, here you go. Been holding your breath, haven't you? Uh, what do you think the word means? We've used this word back in Romans 12. We've used this word back in Romans 9. So then let us pursue. Anybody remember? So it was actually a blank a few months ago. Because I know you go home and study the blanks. Persecute. Remember the idea, I'm going to pursue to the point where it feels almost like persecution. Let us pursue, pursue what makes for peace. So this is not a, well, I'll get around to it. No, this is, I am aggressively, actively working and pursuing and chasing down that which will make things whole and unified and together again. Which makes for peace and, we're not done, for mutual upbuilding. <clears throat> What's that a picture of? Yes, but like, what do the Legos make? The Capitol building, right? All right, you're one for one. Eiffel Tower. Arc de Trill, all right. This one's tough. That's the Guggenheim, yes, very good, from the uh, artist in the room, absolutely. The, uh, <clears throat> I think the Lego version is actually better looking than the real thing, but um, what are... These are all Lego models, uh, and Lego came out with a new, a new line of uh, models a couple of years ago. You may know the title of this particular series. Jules? Architecture. That's your blank. Architecture. You're like, Jim, that was a long way to get to the blank. Well, maybe not. <clears throat> Is that what you just said? Uh, so think about, well, why don't you think about this? I think, I think Paul is, is piggybacking off of a visual that God had been using for a couple of thousand years at that point. Well, at least 1,500 years. In the Old Testament, they, the people of Israel came out of Egypt, and they wander around in the wilderness, and what does God give them directions on how to build? The tabernacle, right? And then later on, the tabernacle turns into the what? The temple, right? And the tabernacle and the temple are considered the building of God. Right? And this is where God's Spirit lives. So we go to the New Testament. Jesus comes, He lives, He dies. The veil is torn in the temple. 
the whole construct of the Old Testament sacrificial system is ended. Now the Holy Spirit lives inside the body of Christ. And in several times in the New Testament, the writers talk about we are the body being built up into a building not made with hands like the Old Testament, but a building that has architecture of people. And we are joined together in a way that resembles the Old Testament physical building in a New Testament spiritual union. That's as good as I can do. Look at verse 19. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. All right, I'm going to show you something. Peace is where things fit together like they should. Do the seams in this wall fit together like they should? Looks like it, right? How do you know? It's supporting. And are there any holes? No. All right. It's pretty obvious to tell when relationships inside the body of Christ are out of whack because things don't get supported like they should and there tend to be holes everywhere. So a lot of really, really simple analogies to make with this. So we are to pursue what fits together well and supports things so that things can be built. Here's an interesting thought. We just might not be, and I would love it if we were, but we might not be the last generation of Christians on this earth. We might not be. Perhaps we should live in a way that we are building up both individuals and systems and processes so that the next generations, as they come, can be built and fit together with this building that already exists. Does this make sense? All right. This is my big analogy for the day. And Julie and I debated on having uh, somebody actually, a group of people, putting together a Lego model while I was teaching. But we all decided, we both decided it was probably going to be too distracting. We have to put them in the corner. Um, all right, so the, the analogy continues in verse 20. So do not for the sake of food. Now this is food especially, this is a different word for food than is used earlier in, uh, uh, used many times earlier in, in Romans 14. I think I mentioned this last time, but there's like six words for, five or six words for food and eat in uh, Romans 14. And they are all like first cousins of each other, except for this one. This one's a little bit different. This is specifically food forbidden by the Jewish law. So now he's getting really specific. So don't for the sake of food that's forbidden by the Jewish law, destroy, here's your blank, demolish the work of God. Now, did any of you have any brothers or sisters, or maybe you have kids, that when one of the family members puts together a Lego set, there is another member of the family that loves to come and to demolish? Yes? Yeah. Okay. This is that. Is there emotional angst involved when someone demolishes a Lego set on a schedule that the designer and the builder did not intend? Yes, very much so, right? Okay, so don't, for the sake of food, demolish the work or the toil or the labor of who? And this is where I couldn't get past this week. Because I like to think that I'm the one doing the building and the fitting together and the working 
I'm the block. I'm not the architect. Does this make sense? This was a... Like, um, this was my same response when I read the first sentence of uh, Help Me, Darla, the book. Purpose Driven Life, yes, it's not about you. It's like, well, yeah, it kind of is. And it's like, no, it's kind of not. It's actually completely not. Um, and you can argue there's a, a billion other things, issues with that particular book, but that first line is really, really good. So we're here, and this is an imperative. It says, do not for the sake of food destroy. That word destroy is a verb, and it's an imperative. This is a command. We're commanded not to demolish the work and the labor of God. So you're going to circle back to this clean-unclean concept. So everything is clean or clear or pure. This reminds me of the laundry detergent when I go and pick some stuff up from Publix for Jewels sometimes. So she has to uh, send me a picture of the actual thing that we're out of, and then I go to the shelf and like, yes, this matches all of the details. This is the thing, that, and I know I'm right at that point. So. Squirrel. All right, so everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. Does everybody, is everybody good on this? Like, does this make sense? Like, I, it doesn't make sense that we should cause somebody else to stumble because of what we eat. This is pretty straightforward. That word by is the word dia, so it's through. So it's not like, oh, it's, it's what I'm eating and it's nine other things. No, 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 it's going straight through the eating. Like, it is about this. It is not about a bunch of other stuff. All right, so it is good not to eat meat, and this is specifically butcher's meat, and I don't really understand all the difference between the butcher's meat and the non-butcher's meat, uh, or drink. Did I put the Greek word for drink there in your notes? What is that? Pino, yeah, and pino is wine, yeah, which is actually not in the Greek. Uh, pino means to drink in the Greek, but it was so closely associated with drinking wine that our English word is what the Greeks used to use for drink, which I think is interesting. There's a whole different word for wine. Uh, so, not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything. So now, and it, here's where he does it again. This, we've seen this concept over and over and over with Paul. Here, I'm going to give an example. I'm going to give an example. I'm going to give you the, the principle. I'm going to give an example. I'm going to give an example. And I'm going to blow the principle up really, really big because I'm really not just talking about food and drink. I'm talking about anything. Right? And this... This, or do anything, is huge. And I don't know if you write in your Bibles, and I don't encourage you to do this very often, but that or do anything, that, that covers everything else. Right? That's the caulk that fits all the other holes. It's the catch-all, right? And Paul does this all the time. I love the way the Holy Spirit directs uh, that this be done. So we, we understand that, that it's not just some tiny little application of this. It's a huge application of this, right? It's like Bernie Sanders' huge application of this. All right. Nobody threw anything. Cool. All right. Um, so it's good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep another imperative between yourself and God. Blessed, this means fortunate or well-off or happy, uh, is the one who has no reason to pass judgment. Crino, same word used back earlier in this text. On himself for what he approves. So, have you ever passed judgment on yourself? Like, yep, I'm guilty of something. Yeah, we do this. This is part of being a fallen human being. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts or hesitations or wavering 
is condemned. And, and you may have another translation, another word in your translation, but the word's katakrino. Uh, it's to be around, uh, around judging, judging against and around something. He's condemned if he eats. Because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed or come from faith is completely okay. No? Is what? Sin. Right. It's sin. Absolutely. So let's look at a couple uh, questions here. So any repeated words or topics? Um, What's a repeated topic as we go through? Building and architecture and building up, right? Is there any other repeated topics? Eating and drinking as we go through, right? Yeah. Um, What about repeated words? Say again. Stumble, yep. Brothers. I'm so happy I found a website a couple of days ago that I can paste a a piece of text into and it will tell me uh, exactly which words are repeated and how many times and it puts them in order. It is like an OCD person's dream. (laughs) I am thrilled at this. So... Yeah, I guarantee you. He was a, a very wise mathematician, I agree. Um, <clears throat> so God, unclean, faith, one, eat, eats, brother. Uh, lots of repeated words here because he's coming back and he's hammering this concept over and over. All right, so I want to jump right into the application. And in the application, I've got a couple of the um, commentaries that were sent this week. Several really, really good. Uh, so what's the point? All right, application number one, we have a choice. Right? And, and Paul lays out this difference here between the life of love and the Spirit and setting up stumbling blocks and hindrances and scandalons. So we have a choice, uh, and I would say yes, there we go. Choose what this is the scene from what? You know, Jones in the Last Crusade. This is one of the crusaders that was guarding the uh, sorry, Darla. This is just, I gotta get it all out today. Alright? Gotta get it all out today. <laughs> we were doing so well, weren't we? We even used Legos. It was great. And then, and we got here. Yeah, choose wisely. Here, here's what I have written in my notes. Um, choose wisely. Decide ahead of time in faith what approach you'll take. And for me, this is, I think this is really important because we know we're gonna have situations and scenarios where we have the option of offending a brother's conscience for something. So decide ahead of time in faith what approach you're going to take. We can, we can spend some time doing this. So number one application is we have a choice. And number two, God is greater. And specifically the purpose of God is greater. So last week we talked about opinions and getting sidetracked on those. This week it's food and drink and anything else we can dream of because our Christianity is not about our pleasure but about His pleasure. And He's pleased when we walk in the Spirit and are known by the fruits of the Spirit. So since He is greater, we are to be building up brothers, not tripping up brothers. Um, God's given us all these things in our hands to use. We have the option to use them for whatever. Um, I want to build edifices for His glory, not stumbling blocks everywhere. Right? Don't. Don't drop your Lego pieces on the ground and everybody trip over them. Pick them up. 
be and build something together. Uh, and then number three, which I think is fantastic that it occurred on the day that we're going to be talking about Sola Fide. Uh, anybody want to guess what blank number three is? Faith, yes. Faith is required for life. Um, you know, McLaren said, if you have any doubts, abstain. It's, you know, faith is not just for the conversion aspect of our salvation. Faith is for about all of the living days after that. You know, we don't check our faith at the door after we're converted. We continue to, number three on the personalized, live in faith. Sola Fide works for sanctification as well as conversion. Um, Hughes says this, whether we're strong or weak, we are to live as citizens of the kingdom of God, focusing not on the externals, but on the elements of eternity. Uh, Darla sent me this from Mounts. Rights are to be laid aside in the interest of love. That's a big deal. These are, these are huge, massive concepts that I'm not first. And the fact that I'm not first impacts the way that I engage with all my brothers and sisters. So here's what I challenge you to do this week. Here's your homework. Your homework this week is to find an opportunity to defer and to not do what you were planning on doing because you're consciously, intentionally thinking about and looking for opportunities to help another believer. How can I dive in and build and be part of what God is doing in building up as opposed to I'm the most important, therefore I should get my way? Because this text today is the opposite of I get my way. It is, God, you are great, you get your way, and we will humbly submit and defer and not impose on another believer's conscience something that could offend or hurt them. So, um, you probably heard about 40 different starting of ideas in today's lesson. That's because there's gobs and gobs of stuff in here. So, uh, it's a good text to soak on and think about. Uh, but that's the lesson for today. Uh, the weekly update is at your table. So, if you've got any prayer requests, please make sure you've uh, written those there, that your name is at the bottom, uh, that you've signed in for attendance. And then if you have any um, questions about what we're doing next, that is also on the schedule. Uh, I will tell you in a couple of weeks we have a gentleman coming to speak who's not spoken to our class before, and I am thrilled about this. Uh, we've been working with uh, Josh for a while, and I'm pumped about him coming and being able to do this. But that's the lesson for today. Thanks for coming. And uh, after you've prayed at your tables, you are dismissed. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.